Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show. Over 250,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Also check out the podcast's homepage at www.therobburgessshow.com. You can also check out my website at www.thisburgess.com. to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 34th episode, our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. You first heard Jonathan Fowler in episodes 2, 10, 20, 21, 29, 30, 31, and 32 of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a BA in history from Indiana University in 2006. He is an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for over nine years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully talk pretty one day. And now on to the show. Hello. Hey, what's up? Hey, Bob, how are you? Good, how are you, man? Oh, doing okay, sorry. I didn't, uh... My phone was set to be playing the sounds when I was uh, getting a call or whatever. But I, to be honest, I was in the middle of, uh, I was running across a, a Zeppelin, a German Zeppelin flying over uh, <laughs> London hmm. in uh, Battlefield 1 here. Okay. Very epic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's uh, historically accurate, too. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think American soldiers who were serving in the RAF did that all the time, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a pretty amazing game. So, how are you? Oh, doing all right. Uh, just waking up. Uh, so, uh, what did you think about the final debate? Yeah, that's a wow. That is a thing. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard to. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was interesting. It was no real surprises, I would say. But um, I think uh, Donald Trump was looking very defeated and angry. Hillary Clinton was looking, you know, exuberant and triumphant and everything. So I think those were my kind of broad takeaways from the demeanor of everybody involved. Mm-hmm. I just finished it a few hours ago, actually. I, uh, I had kind of delayed watching it because I kind of had this kind of... Uh, I've seen highlights, but, you know, I think everybody's getting a little burnt out, especially if we're in any way trying to cover what's going on. It, it can be a little exhausting. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of the debate? 
Yeah, pretty much what what you said. I mean, it was pretty. Uh, I, I don't really feel like we covered any any new ground, really. Um, you know, there were some some interesting turns of phrases and, and things like that, but I don't really know if uh, if we uncovered any new new depths for for either of them. It's just uh, for the most part, Trump seems like he's moved on to the next you know thing he's going to be working on, which is sounds like Trump TV. Um, so he sends off a dozen or so sexual harassment lawsuits. <laughs> well, there's that too, definitely. But yeah, I think uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. There is always the, the politics of personal destruction, destruction, which mm-hmm. people complain about, but it is a real thing, and uh, you know. <laughs> A guy like that who lives in a glass house probably shouldn't throw his hat in the ring. Right. A few metaphors. <laughs> so I think he would have, you know, he kept living his goofy little life as this, you know, megalomaniacal rich guy and, you know, who harasses women constantly and never gets publicly outed for it and, uh, you know, kept having his name all over his buildings, which I've heard now is in doubt that he's going to be able to continue doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's, uh, he, he may have, uh, poisoned his brand irreparably, although, like we said before, he'll probably continue to be supported by, I don't know, 20 to 30% of Republicans or something. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's kind of the mass appeal part of Trump is over, but I feel like the people that still are on his side are, are more with him than ever. So I'm, I'm sure that's pretty much what he's focused on cultivating right now, you know, making that niche market as rabid as possible, basically. Yeah, I'm sure they will never uh, they'll never lose faith in him. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, this was the Fox News debate with Chris Wallace uh, officiating. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it was in, let's see, Las Vegas, Nevada, at the University of Nevada campus, I guess. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, I Let's see, I think they started out with the Supreme Court mm-hmm. issue, which, you know, I, I don't know. I think the difficulty in reporting this stuff is that, you know, you and I pay attention to these things and we watch the news so much that there really is no surprise for the most part in what they say about um, the issues, you know. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton is, you know, it's a living document and, uh, you know, whatever she says and Donald Trump is, you know, oh, Second Amendment, uh, abortion, you know, all this stuff. Like, I mean, it's just these are the things that Republicans and Democrats always say have to say, I think Hillary said some stuff about Citizens United and things like that, <clears throat> but there's just no surprises in in, this, in what they say about the Supreme Court or really any issue. It's just kind of all programmed by the parties. Mm-hmm. Um, Hillary did say that um, the, the Senate should advise and consent uh, Obama's nominee. I would hope that the Senate would do its job and confirm the nominee that President Obama has sent to them. That's the way the Constitution fundamentally should operate. The president nominates, and then the Senate advises and consents or not, but they go forward with the process. Which is their job, or they should refuse this guy. 
what is it, Garland, mm-hmm. Merrick Garland or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was a good point. And it kind of raised a question for me, which is, you know, basically if she wins, I mean, is she going to keep this guy as the Supreme Court nominee or is she going to ditch him for somebody liberal and, you know, make the Republican Senate and Congress uh, uh, obstruct for, you know, four to eight years, which is, you know, which is like basically kind of unconstitutional if they do that. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, they may do the same thing with this guy or they may come to their senses on, you know, what is it, January 20th or something when they come in. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see, um, I hope that she'll go for somebody different. I hope she'll get somebody really left wing for the Supreme Court because they had their chance with this guy who is moderate to right wing. And their knee-jerk obstructionism kind of stopped them from, uh, you know, giving them a fair hearing. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I you know, I think it'd be interesting. I, I think if she wins the prime, if she wins the general election here, they may the the Senate may go ahead and just approve this guy before mm-hmm. she comes into office because they don't want to deal with whatever's going to come next, and they know they can't obstruct for as long as they would have to. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I I don't know if this still holds, but I mean, I think at one point I heard Mitch McConnell or somebody saying that they were had already ruled out, uh, even if you know Trump loses, the, the that they would, uh, you know, approve this guy before you know uh, the inauguration day. But I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens when that actually occurs because I think you know they were still saying that a couple months ago. So who knows if that's still the case? But yeah, well, I think they're <clears throat> the Republican Party is about to have a reckoning one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, Donald Trump said the Second Amendment is under absolute siege. We need a Supreme Court that, in my opinion, is going to uphold the Second Amendment and all amendments, but the Second Amendment, which is under absolute siege. Uh, I believe if my opponent should win this race, which I truly don't think will happen, uh, we will have a Second Amendment, which will be a very, very small replica of what it is right now. But I feel that it's absolutely important that we uphold because of the fact that it is under such uh, trauma, which is insane, of course, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I think, um, let's see, what did he say? He said, I got the earliest NRA endorsement in history. Very proud of that. And I was thinking like, well, yeah, of course you got the, the NRA, uh, endorsement, but I don't think that, I don't think that has anything to do with you being Donald Trump or them liking him as a candidate. I think that's just the fact that mm-hmm. the NRA and, you know, Republicans have been saying for so long that Obama and Hillary are going to take your guns. And so uh-huh. they're going to, of course, endorse anybody automatically who's going against Hillary Clinton because otherwise their talking point doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the NRA endorsed you is, means, like, literally nothing. Yeah. It's just, you know... It's really outside of the fact that you're the what you believe or what you say you believe and stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, Trump also, when he was talking about the Supreme Court, said that uh, Justice Ginsburg had said very, very bad things about him. Uh, that's paraphrasing, but basically that's what he said, mm-hmm. which was funny. You know, he's he's not concerned about the you know the the issues or the you know the role of the Supreme Court in the, in the American democracy. He's 
focused on petty insults and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Wallace asked him, or well, he said in the beginning of the question, he said, Mr. Trump, you're pro-life. And I was thinking, no, wait a minute. Has that been established? <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that in the past he's been pro-choice. <laughs> But since he's become a Republican and he's, you know, he's had to adopt the positions of the Republicans, he's come out as, you know, pro-life. And uh, so I think that, uh, you know, to, for if you're a journalist, to state that in the framing of the question, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it would be better to say, Mr. Trump, you say you're pro-life. Or, you know, these days that's your position, although in the past it hasn't been. And I kind of wondered why Hillary didn't challenge him on that or something. But then I thought, well... I think she really wants to tie this guy to the Republican Party. She doesn't want to muddy the waters by making it look like he might have been a Democrat in any fashion in the past because it doesn't make any it doesn't make Democrats look very good. So, mm-hmm. or it wouldn't. Um, not that we can control who's in the party or not. But <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Any any thoughts about the Supreme Court section? It's the last bastion of people that say that they're going to vote for Trump, even though he's totally unqualified, um, you know, because they're like, you know, at least a couple slots are going to come open. They are pretty sure. So I think that, you know, they assume that he'll appoint the right judges, whatever that means. So I feel like that was probably smart of him to, you know, emphasize. I think he's even said in past rallies, you know, it's like, even if you hate me, you'll still vote for me because I'll pick the Supreme Court justices. And he basically just had that list of uh, justices that the Heritage Foundation or whoever made up. But here's the story. If you really like Donald Trump, that's great. But if you don't, you have to vote for me anyway. You know why? Supreme Court judges. Supreme Court judges have no choice. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. You have no choice. Justices of the Supreme Court. So Judge Scalia was a great guy. He died. Now already we have ties, right? We have ties, ties, ties. You see it already happening. Now, the next president of this country, thank you, the next president, remember, the next president could have as many as four or five, which would be a lot, but that would be an all-time record. But for whatever reason, it falls this way. We'll probably have three, could be four, could even be five. If you had Crooked Hillary picking the judges, you will have, now remember this, if she picks the judges, you're going to end up with another Venezuela. You're going to be Venezuela. Large version, but you're going to be Venezuela. So I decided, because I was getting a little heat from conservatives, even though I'm more conservative than most of them, but I was getting heat because I haven't been a politician. And I came up with an idea. They said, supposing he puts in liberal judges. And I understand what they're saying. But they didn't do so well with the last three or four judges. You know, it's not like great. You look at what happened with Obamacare twice. Our conservative judge twice kept Obamacare. We could have killed Obamacare. Now we're stuck with it for a little while. But don't worry. It gets repealed. Don't worry. You know, obviously he didn't come up with those judges. But... Um, yeah, come on, Bob. Come on, Bob. Let's not disparage the man. I'm sure before his first announcement speech, before he came down the golden escalator, he had already had these uh, Supreme Court justices in his head. He had vetted them in his mind already. Sure. Totally principled. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Why would you doubt him? I don't know. You're you're right. I don't have any. I don't have any basis to think that. You're right. He's he's definitely uh, a guy that <laughs> revels in pre-planning. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's right. I think you're right. I think Paul Ryan or somebody just handed him the list and said, "This is this is what we're doing. <laughs> Memorize yeah. it and stick to it." Yeah. Anything else, we don't care. But this is it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing though that people who want to still cling to, oh, you know, the people around him. You know, he has the right people around him, and he'll listen to who he listens to. And it's like he might, but I don't know that you have any evidence that he ever, like, you know, for the most part, listens to anyone, uh, you know, that's advising him. Uh, so you know, it's like yes, he might surround himself with people that you find acceptable, aka you know Mike Pence and whoever, but. You know what is the chance that they'll actually be? Uh, he'll be listening to them. You know, so who knows? Yeah, and um, you know, and you may get a couple justices that you want on the Supreme Court, and you know that's good for you in the long term, I guess. But you may be critically wounding the Republican Party for the and totally humiliating everybody associated with it for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good luck. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what did he? What did he say? I, I also noticed that he said, "In the audience, we have four mothers of people who have been brutally killed uh, by illegal immigrants and stuff." So he continues this thing that he's done basically at every debate of bringing people along. Who he thinks will—I don't know what he thinks they'll do. They'll like—they're um, sitting in the audience, and maybe the cameras will pan to them, and they'll serve as a. <clears throat> I don't know, something to throw his opponent off base or right. off guard. Um, first it was the, the, the Clinton quote-unquote bimbos from the 90s. Um, <laughs> then it was, you know, didn't he bring like Barack Obama's half day or something yeah. to one of the debates? Yes, he did. I didn't even really fully understand that. I mean, I don't know. That guy, did he say something bad about Obama? or was I, He supports Trump. Trump I don't know. I, I'm not really clear on, on the whole thing. My thought was that it was probably him just trying to reintroduce the birther thing because then reminding you know people that Obama has a, a half, you know, half-brother that's Kenyan or whatever. So, like, putting, you know, without saying, you know, hey, guess what? It's like you subliminally do that by... By bringing that, I I don't know. I guess that's my that's my guess. I don't have any <laughs> hard facts to back that up. But yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I think I mean I saw some pictures of the guy, and he's he's a lot blacker than Obama. And mm-hmm. so maybe it's just kind of like a, you know, yeah. I think there could be a racial element to that. Obviously, that you know, uh, I don't know to remind people that <laughs> Obama's half white, but. He's half black too. You know, he's got his all black brother somewhere, and the brother doesn't even support him. Yeah, I, I don't think he's an American citizen, so I don't know. I don't know. It's just that was a confusing move on his part. But mm-hmm. maybe, maybe there was some subliminal dog whistle that we didn't catch that you know his supporters somewhere caught. Yeah, this time it was four yeah. women who were who their children were killed by illegal immigrants. I guess mm-hmm. we need strong borders. In the audience tonight, we have four mothers of, I mean, these are unbelievable people that I've gotten to know over a period of years whose children have been killed, brutally killed, by people that came into the country illegally. You have thousands of mothers and fathers and relatives all over the country. But I don't know. Um, you know, 
in any population. I mean, it's what do they say? They say there's 11 million immigrants, illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. When you have a, when you have 11 million of anybody, you're going to have some murders in there, and you can you can you know you can go and find people who are affected by that. And yeah, it's bad. I mean, if you're a family of a victim, I guess you could say yeah, they should have never been in the country, but. I don't know. You could you could find if you have eleven million of anybody, you're going to find some murder victims who are affected by them somewhere. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of. Well, on a, on a whole, a, I, I don't think most uh, most illegal immigrants or or undocumented workers, if you want to be uh, AP style about it, but um, the you know, vast majority of them are not committing crimes because they know that if they get in trouble, there's no you know they can't afford a good lawyer or whatever. So I feel like I, the statistics I've read seem to go in the opposite direction. It's like they're more law abiding than most people, just because they kind of have to be. They're not really. Yeah. You know. Well, believe me. Uh, I mean, I'm you know I'm living in South Korea, and you know I'm I'm on better behavior than I probably even would if I were a citizen here because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you know if, if my face shows up on CCTV somewhere doing something <laughs> bad, uh, it's not going to be you know the pool of suspects is going to be significantly narrowed down, <laughs> and I don't have any legal protections. Necessarily. I mean, I don't have a lot of legal protections as, right. as a non-citizen, so. So, yeah, I mean, like, it does tend to make you, yeah, you, you do have to be on good behavior when you're in another country and stuff, basically. What did he say? He said about, he talked about the, uh, one of my first acts will be to get all the drug lords, all the bad ones. We have some bad, bad people in this country that we have to get out. They have to go out. We'll get them out. We're going to secure the border. And once the border is secured, at a later date, we'll make a determination as to the rest. But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. Yeah, that was one of the one of the key bad hombres. Yeah, one of the key phrases from the debate, I think, was "bad hombres." They're coming in illegally. Drugs are pouring in through the border. We have no country if we have no border. Hillary wants to give amnesty. She wants to have open borders. The border secure, as you know, the Border Patrol agent, 16,500 plus ICE last week endorsed me. First time they've ever endorsed a candidate. It means their job is tougher. But they know what's going on. They know it better than anybody. They want strong borders. They feel we have to have strong borders. I was up in New Hampshire the other day. The biggest complaint they have, it's with all of the problems going on in the world, many of the problems caused by Hillary Clinton and by Barack Obama, all of the problems, their single biggest problem is heroin that pours across our southern borders, just pouring and destroying their youth. It's poisoning the blood of their youth and plenty of other people. We have to have strong borders. We have to keep the drugs out of our country. We are Right now, we're getting the drugs. They're getting the cash. We need strong borders. We need absolute. We cannot give amnesty. Now, I want to build the wall. We need the wall. The Border Patrol, ICE, they all want the wall. We stop the drugs. We, we shore up the border. One of my first acts will be to get all of the drug lords, all of the bad ones. We have some bad, bad people in this country that have to go out. We're going to get them out. We're going to secure the border. And once the border is secured, at a later date, we'll make a determination as to the rest. But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. Yeah, and as soon as he said that, Hillary started smiling and laughing. So, you know, he, he is a funny guy. Yeah. He's got a lot of laugh lines and stuff. But um, but I think she's laughing partially because she realized how easy this guy's going to be to clobber on election day. 
Um, he did say that Hillary wanted the wall in 2006. Hillary Clinton wanted the wall. Hillary Clinton fought for the wall in 2006 or thereabouts. Now, she never gets anything done, so naturally the wall wasn't built. But Hillary Clinton wanted the wall. Which, um, honestly, I don't know, that's a decade ago. And in political terms, with uh, immigration not being one of the main issues that I watch, it's, it's like I'm kind of like, oh, well, I guess, did she? Maybe she did. I don't know. It could be. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that kind of attack really helps them, though, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, you're just as bad as me. You want the same things I do. And it's like, okay, well, maybe so, but she's not crazy, too. So mm-hmm. you still come out behind. He did. He also brought up an interesting point, which I thought was confusing. I don't know why he brought it up exactly, but maybe when I read it, we'll figure something out there. He said, uh, now, President Obama has moved millions of people out. Nobody knows about it. Nobody talks about it. But under Obama, mm-hmm. millions of people have been moved out of this country. They've been deported. She doesn't want to say that, but that's what happened, and that's what's happened bigly. And he says, we're going to, and then a few minutes later, he says, we're going to speed up the process bigly. Now, President Obama has moved millions of people out. Nobody knows about it. Nobody talks about it. But under Obama, millions of people have been moved out of this country. They've been deported. She doesn't want to say that, but that's what's happened, and that's what's happened bigly. a couple of the, the famous uh, words there that have been, uh, been uh, kind of coined in the past into the American vernacular over the past few weeks. Um, yeah. Although I... I mean, he is correct. I mean... Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, Obama has deported record numbers of um, undocumented workers, and uh, I don't know. I don't know how that's supposed to help Obama. I don't know how that's supposed to help Trump with uh, Republicans because it makes the Democrats maybe not look so bad in their eyes because on this issue, Obama's been pretty hawkish. Yes. But at the same time, I mean, maybe his maybe he knows he's got who he needs on the Republican side and he just wants to, you know, frustrate Democrats who, you know, want to cling to the Obama legacy and stuff. Yeah. I mean, some people call Obama derogatorily the deporter in chief. So yeah, it's like you know that's something that does make Democrats look better. If that's something you want to emphasize, you know what I mean. So yeah, and I, I wonder. I almost wonder if all the birther stuff is something that kind of pushed uh, Obama to want to deport more. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't look like he's being soft on it. Kind of like how you know Bill Clinton admitted to doing drugs, but then he, you know. There, the, the war on drugs was still going on throughout the '90s, pretty strongly because you know he didn't want to look he didn't want to look weak on it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. At one point, I, th- I think uh, <laughs> Trump clearly enjoyed Chris Wallace's questioning at a few at a couple of points throughout the thing. Mm-hmm. Chris Wallace asked Hillary Clinton about a. Her quote from one of the uh, one of the WikiLeaks things where she would give him a speech or something, and uh, I think she'd given the speech in Venezuela or I'm sorry Brazil or somewhere in South America. And he said she had something like a dream of uh, hemispheric common market, open borders, open market, all this stuff. And Donald Trump said, "Thank you." <laughs> 
he's thanking <laughs> he's thanking the uh, moderator for asking a question and bringing up the WikiLeaks stuff. Secretary Clinton, I want to clear up your position on this issue because in a speech you gave to a Brazilian bank for which you were paid $225,000, we've learned from the WikiLeaks that you said this, and I want to quote, my dream is a hemispheric common market with open trade and open borders. So that's Thank the you. question. <laughs> that's the question. Please quiet, everybody. Is that your dream, open borders? Well, if you went on to read the rest of the sentence, I was talking about uh, energy. You know, we trade more energy with our neighbors than we trade with the rest of the world combined. And I do want us to have a, an electric grid, an energy system that crosses borders. I think that will be a great benefit to us. But you are uh, very clearly uh, quoting from WikiLeaks. And what's really important about WikiLeaks is that the Russian government has engaged in espionage against Americans. They have hacked American uh, websites, American accounts of private people, of institutions. Then they have given that information to WikiLeaks for the purpose of putting it on the Internet. This has come from the highest levels of the Russian government, clearly from Putin himself, in an effort, as 17 of our intelligence agencies have confirmed, to influence our election. So I actually think the most important question of this evening, Chris, is finally, will Donald Trump admit and condemn that the Russians are doing this and make it clear that he will not have the help of Putin in this election, that he rejects Russian espionage against Americans, which he uh, actually encouraged in the past. Those are the questions we need answered. We've never had anything like this happen in well, any of our elections before. So he's just happy that it's being an issue. Hillary says, uh, you are very clearly quoting from WikiLeaks, and what's important about WikiLeaks is that the Russian government has engaged in espionage against America. Americans, they have hacked American websites, jump, 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 etc. Um, and it kind of, and while while Hillary was responding to this, it looked like she was looking down at something, some paper or something. I, it looked like she was reading something. I don't. I mean, sometimes in debates they have like a notepad or something to make notes on, but it almost felt like she was reading prepared remarks or something. So yeah. I don't know if that was that allowed or not. Or well, specifically at this point, I like I watched it twice, and it really looks like because she keeps looking up, like she's looking at somebody, but then she looks down at what's ever directly in front of her like and it it really felt like i mean she wasn't just looking at a note to remind her of something it looked like she was reading something so mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's been talking about the WikiLeaks. yeah there's been speculation on the right that she had a earpiece or something in one of the previous debates um but I mean, no, it, yeah. yeah, that's that's always been a a thing that I feel like people have leveled that on both sides. Because wasn't there something about George W. Bush having the same thing in yeah, one of his he had, debates, he had like a bump under his suit or something? Yeah. I'm sure it was a microphone or a battery. I, I have no idea what it was. Yeah. But, uh, well, if you're wearing one of those lapel mics, you have to have a battery pack for it. So I feel like that's usually the most likely answer. Um, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying at that point, if people go back and watch it, I think they'll notice that it really, it looks a little suspicious. It looks like she's reading some prepared remarks. So that's, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's here or there, but there it is. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> Trump, of course, has nothing, you know, somehow she, she shifted it to, 
Donald Trump has a terrible time. Um, I mean, he he attempted to deflect and change the subject several times, and at one point he had a very transparent. He basically said, "I am changing the subject now. We are not going to talk about this thing anymore. Now we're going to talk about this other thing, and we'll come to that later here." <laughs> but um. Hillary brought up Russia, of course, so then he has to talk about Russia, and he said something like, well, if Russia and the USA got along well and went after ISIS, that would be good, which seems like a very naive, because it's pretty clear that Russia and <clears throat> Russia doesn't want to go after ISIS primarily, so... No. They just want to keep um, Assad in power, right? I mean, that's their main objective. He was complaining about, he said there's uh, 18, he said he was talking about how... Russia has continued to build up their nuclear armaments. He says, 1,800 nuclear warheads, and she's playing chicken. Look, uh, Putin, from everything I see, has no respect for this person. <laughs> you can tell he really wanted to say something else. He visibly paused before he said person. I don't know if he wanted to say woman or bitch. Or I don't know what the hell he wanted to say, but he wanted to say something else. Yeah, it wasn't person. <laughs> And then Hillary responded, well, that's because he'd rather, uh, Putin would rather have a puppet as president of the United States. And he said, no puppet, no puppet. And she says, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. And he says, you're the puppet. No, you're the puppet. <laughs> like, She wants open borders. Now we can talk about Putin. I don't know Putin. He said nice things about me. If we got along well, that would be good. If Russia and the United States got along well and went after ISIS, that would be good. He has no respect for her. He has no respect for our president. And I'll tell you what, we're in very serious trouble because we have a country with tremendous numbers of nuclear warheads, 1,800, by the way, where they expanded and we didn't, 1,800 nuclear warheads, and she's playing chicken. Look, Putin, well, wait, wait, from but, but, everything I see, has no respect for this person. Well, that's because he'd rather have a puppet as president of no the United puppet, States. No puppet. And it's pretty clear. You're the puppet. It's pretty clear you won't admit no, you're that the, the Russians have engaged in cyber attacks against the United States of America, that you encouraged espionage against our people, that you are willing to spout the Putin line, sign up for his wish list, break up NATO, do whatever he wants to do, and that you continue to get help from him because he has a very clear favorite in this race. Whose puppet would Hillary be? I don't, nobody's ever, that's not a right-wing talking point. <laughs> you know, she's not, she's certainly not Putin's puppet. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that was just a point where he wanted to respond, just respond and, you know, say, no, you, no, you, no, you, instead mm -hmm. of uh, whether it made sense or not. Um, and Hillary said, uh, Hillary said, this is a person who's been very cavalier and even casual about the use of nuclear weapons. Wrong. <laughs> He's advocated. And so we got, we got the famous, uh, uh, Trump interjection, interruption. Mm -hmm. Um, there's one thing that I saw, like some right wingers trying to make some, make some political hay out of on Facebook. <clears throat> they, they, that's when Hillary said, um, there's about four minutes between the order being given and the people responsible for launching nuclear weapons to do so. And a lot of like right wingers on Facebook were like, you know, oh, President Putin thanks you for telling him exactly how long it takes us to launch the nuclear weapons. <laughs> I find it uh, ironic that he's raising nuclear uh, weapons. This is a 
person who has been very cavalier, even casual, about the use of nuclear weapons. He's right. advocated more countries getting them, Japan, Korea, even Saudi Arabia. He said, well, if we have them, why don't we use them, which I think is uh, terrifying. But here's the deal. The bottom line on nuclear weapons is that when the president gives the order, it must be followed. There's about four minutes between the order being given and the people responsible for launching nuclear weapons to do so. And that's why 10 people who have had that awesome responsibility have come out and in an unprecedented way said they would not trust Donald Trump with the nuclear codes or to have his finger on the nuclear button. I have 200 generals and admirals, 21 endorsing me, 21 Congressional Medal of Honor recipients. As far as Japan and other countries, we are being ripped off by everybody in the world. We're defending other countries. We are spending a fortune doing it. They have the bargain of the century. All I said is we have to renegotiate these agreements because our country cannot afford to defend Saudi Arabia, Japan, Germany, South Korea, and many other places. We cannot continue to afford. She took that as saying nuclear weapons. I'm like, I don't know. What do you think of that? I'm kind of doubting it makes a whole lot of difference. But That doesn't sound like a state secret that we're on a hair trigger with, you know, our our nuclear weapon system. I don't don't think that's... uh, classified information that's been you know revealed i feel like that's kind of common common knowledge there <laughs> if or it was like now the, the codes yeah. are one two six twelve <laughs> that would be a little more yeah. damning but <laughs> yeah and what what's russia going to do if they know that the nuclear codes can be launched in four minutes i mean like did they think it was three or five or four i mean are they going to be able to protect themselves from nuclear annihilation if, uh, you know, they yeah, right. so. Probably not. <laughs> but, yeah, but anything can become a right-wing anti-Hillary meme. So. Yeah. Let's see, there was something about how, you know, Donald Trump wants all of our allies basically to defend themselves. Trump said, you know, these countries like Japan and Germany and South Korea and all these countries, they have the deal of the century. <laughs> Because, you know, apparently America is defending them for free, which, you know, is kind of, I mean, yes, they have gotten American protection, which has its pros and its cons, and it's both popular and unpopular in each of those countries, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But the fact, but the thing that he's not acknowledging, and, you know, nobody acknowledges really, is that we get tremendous benefits from having um, troops stationed in all these countries, and that, you know, we get influence on them, and we can work to contain countries like China and Russia that would love to, you know, just steamroll their entire regions and, you know, take it over basically. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, well, look how much it's costing us. It's costing us all this money and it's not fair and they don't pay for their own defense. It's like, yeah, but America gets something out of it. We're not doing it out of the goodness of our hearts. <laughs> this isn't, you know, this isn't like, you know, some sort of charity. Mm-hmm. And, and stuff. So, anyways, then they moved on to the economy. Um, and Hillary said it when she talks about Donald's plan would truly will be tripled down on steroids. Donald's plan has been uh, analyzed to uh, conclude it might lose uh, three and a half million jobs. Why? Because his whole plan is to cut taxes to give the biggest tax breaks ever to the wealthy and to corporations, adding twenty trillion dollars to our debt 
and causing the kind of dislocation that we have seen before, because it truly will be trickle-down economics on steroids. So the plan I have, I think, will actually produce greater opportunities. The plan he has will cost us jobs and possibly lead to another great recession. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, apparently uh, Clinton got the memo that trumped up trickle down wasn't just saying that, <laughs> that wasn't going to go anywhere. So she's now it's trickle down on steroids. It's not trumped up trickle down. So yeah. I do applaud Hillary for uh, getting rid of the lame talking point and going to something else. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice that turn of phrase was different than, than before. So. <laughs> yeah, Trump um, also said... Um, about our allies and us protecting them. He says, we're protecting people. They have to pay up. <laughs> it sounds like Tony Soprano. <laughs> it's like a mafia move. Uh-huh. It'd be a, it's a nice country you got there. It'd be a real shame if something were to happen to it. Yeah, knocks over one thing in the shop when they say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At one point, he said that he was talking about something, and Hillary said, well, let me translate that if I can, Chris, because and Donald Trump said, you can't. <laughs> yeah. She said, he's going to advocate. <laughs> you can't. Well, let me translate that if I can, Chris, because... Um, you can't. Fact- uh, I don't know. I, I, that's, I think that's been one of the funnest parts of these debates, is just the petty interruption. Donald Trump, is, you know, he, often on totally minor points, like... He doesn't even try to refute the whole artic- ar- argument. He just like picks up one point and he's kind of like, wrong, <laughs> not true. <laughs> no, you're the you're the puppet. You're the puppet, not me. Three, three on one. <laughs> nice. Like, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Everybody's hanging up on poor Donald Trump. <laughs> um, when will Donald Trump catch a break in this world? <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see, Chris, at, one, at another point, here's another point where Donald Trump thanked uh, Chris Wallace for asking the question. Chris said, uh, Secretary Clinton, I want to pursue your plan because in many ways it has, it is similar uh, to the Obama stimulus plan in 2009, uh, and which has led to the slowest GDP growth since 1949. Trump says, correct. <laughs> and she says, hmm, thank you, sir. Uh, you. Uh, oh, oh, no, sorry, that was Chris. Chris said, hmm, um, thank you, sir. Uh, you, <laughs> he's like, he's thanking Trump for, thanking him for the question. Dr. Trucklin, I want to I pursue your plan because in many ways it is similar to the Obama stimulus plan in 2009, uh, which has led to the slowest GDP growth since 1949. Correct. <laughs> thank you, sir. Or approving of the question. Yes. <laughs> what did you think? Um, what did you think overall of of his performance as moderator, Chris Wallace? Um, well, supposedly he said at the beginning that there were six sections. Um, I didn't really notice a natural trans uh, progression from the six sections because you know they started with the Supreme Court and then it went all over the place. It went to you know nuclear warheads, Russia. Uh, there may have been a thematic change at some point in there, but if there was, I didn't notice it at this point. Mm. Uh, Putin, um, you know, uh, free trade was in there somewhere. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And then, okay, so now we're on to the economy, and they're talking about the economy. And, uh, I have a feeling, let's see, it goes it goes again back to, you know, 
Uh, well, it goes to China, I guess, in a natural way because of the steel issue, which Hillary brought up several times. But mm-hmm. um, let's see. Trump said uh, now she wants to sign the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and she wants it. She lied when she said she didn't call it the gold standard in one of the debates. She totally lied. She did call it the gold standard, and they actually fact-checked, and they said I was right. I was so honored. (laughs) Now she wants to sign Trans-Pacific Partnership, and she wants it. She lied when she said she didn't call it the gold standard in one of the debates. She totally lied. She did call it the gold standard, and they actually fact-checked, and they said I was right. I was so honored. I want to give you a chance to... He's honored because one of the fact checks actually went his way. <laughs> of course, if the fact checkers had, you know, said he was wrong or anything else, oh, they did a terrible job. They don't know how to do their jobs. Everybody says that. Yeah, exactly. Losers. Sad. Babies. <laughs> yeah, sad. Um, let's see. Hillary attacked him on the Chinese steel, as I mentioned. She says. Donald has brought Chinese steel and aluminum, so he goes around with crocodile tears about how terrible it is, but he has given jobs to Chinese steel workers, not American steel workers. Chris said, Mr. Trump? And she said, that's the kind of approach, well, let me just say, that is just not going to work. This is Hillary still talking. She's talking over them continuously. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is just not going to work. We're going to pull the country together. We're going to have trade agreements that we can force. That's why I'm going to have a trade prosecutor for the first time in history. And we're going to enforce those agreements, and we're going to look for business um, secretary uh, to help us, Secretary Clinton, by buying American products. Um, I ask a simple question. He's been doing this for 30 years. Uh, No, this is, sorry, this is Trump's response. Again, this part might be better with a clip of them actually reading it or, mm-hmm. or them actually saying it. But he, says, he says, I ask a simple question. She's been doing this for 30 years. Why the hell didn't you do it over the last 15 or 20 years? You were very, you know, much involved. Excuse me, Miss Clinton. My turn. Uh, uh, sorry, sir. We'll see. Oh, my God. Sorry, I, I wrote this all down in person. He says, and she said, you were very, and she said, you know, and he said, much involved, excuse me, my turn, you were very much involved in every aspect of this country, very much, and you do have experience. I say the one thing you have over me is experience, but it's bad experience, because what you've done has turned out badly. For 30 years, you've been in a position to help, and if you say that I used to use uh, steel or I used something else, I... Make it impossible for me to do that. I wouldn't mind. (laughs) We're going to pull the country together. We're going to have trade agreements that we enforce. That's why I'm going to have a trade prosecutor for the first time in history. And we're going to enforce those agreements. And we're going to look for businesses uh, to help us by buying American products. I ask a simple question. She's been doing this for 30 years. Why the hell didn't you do it over the last 15, 20 years? You no, were very much involved, excuse me, my turn. You were very much involved in every aspect of this country, very much. And you do have experience. I say the one thing you have over me is experience, but it's bad experience because what you've done has turned out badly. If I do bad things, but you were a senator from New York and you didn't regulate me, it's your fault. But if you regulated me, I wouldn't mind. Go ahead and regulate me. <laughs> it's like somebody stopped me. <laughs> Yeah, only Hillary Clinton can stop Donald Trump from uh, 
doing immoral things that may or may not be illegal. <laughs> and then Hillary attacks him a few minutes later. Uh, you know, talking about the was it Mikado, Michelle Mikado, the, the uh, universe or whatever. Nineteen, mm-hmm. yeah. And she said he called her an eating machine. He's like, give me a break. <laughs> Which is, you know, that was totally like Jeb Bush's punchline or whatever, where he's always like saying, give me a break and stuff whenever mm-hmm. something wasn't fair during the primary debates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, the next major topic was fitness to be president of the United States. Okay, he was talking, uh, he was asked obviously, almost immediately about the uh, sexual harassment stuff. And um, he blames, he pivoted and blamed Hillary. He said, I believe it was her campaign that did it. And I'm thinking, was this a vast left-wing conspiracy? <laughs> He insulted a former Miss Universe, Alicia Machado, called her a, an eating machine. And on the day when I was in the Situation Room monitoring the raid that brought Osama bin Laden to justice, he was hosting the Celebrity Apprentice. And let's see. He, and he said, oh, no, this was, let's see. I, I'm not sure if he's blaming Hillary for the violence that happened at his his uh, rallies, mm-hmm. or if he's blending her for the uh, sexual harassment accusations that have come out now. And uh, there was, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but there was a video. Do you remember that guy that, that did that, like, undercover sting operation at the Acorn thing? Do yeah. Remember this? I, it, saw, I saw an interview with him at the last debate, I think. He was caught up with by... Um, Let's see, by uh, Sam Cedar of the Majority Report. Mm-hmm. And the guy kind of challenged him there. said, are you off probation? He's like, what do you think? Do you think I'm off probation? Like, are you off probation? You committed a crime or something. Um, so what about that guy? But anyway, he did another... Uh, undercover video of somebody I'm not sure who it was it was some democratic operative saying that they would like to send people to agitate at Trump rallies or or something I'm not I didn't read the whole story but that I think is what he's alluding to it's that James O'Keefe guy is the name his name but that's the person he's alluding to in that statement I think so yeah, I don't know how how valid or or whatever his uh, his findings or or methods or whatever are. So yeah, he's a he's a pretty nasty dude. Mm-hmm. Um, to paraphrase Trump, <laughs> bad hombre. Yeah, he's not a good actor. <laughs> Let's see. He said, um, "I believe it was her campaign that did it." Uh, just like if you. I was wondering what happened with my rally in Chicago. We had other rallies where we had such violence. She's the one, and Obama, that caused the violence. They hired people. They paid them $1,500. And they're on tape saying, be violent, cause fights, do bad things. Um, and at this point, he's kind of like started to mix up the sex accusations with the, you know, with supposed like, I don't know, Democratic plants starting fights at his rallies. Uh, Hillary comes back later and says, America is great because America is good. 
again, which I thought was a ridiculous line from the last debate. But apparently, that's something that she is. You know, she wrote it somewhere with her group, focus groups, and she wants to use it again and again. Yeah, um, it's still just kind of an empty statement. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> At the last debate, we heard Donald talking about what he uh, did to women. And after that, a number of women have come forward uh, saying that's exactly what he did to them. Now, what was his response? Well, he held a number of big rallies where he said that he could not possibly have done uh, those things to those women because they were not attractive enough for I, I did uh, not them say to that. be assaulted. I did not say that. In fact, he went on what? to say... Her two, her two minutes, sir, her two minutes. But he, did he, not it, say that. It's he, her two minutes. He went on to say, uh, look at her. I don't think so. About another woman, he said, that wouldn't be my first choice. He attacked the woman reporter writing the story, called her disgusting, as he has called a number of women uh, during this campaign. Donald thinks belittling women makes him bigger. He goes after their dignity, their self-worth, and I don't think there is a woman anywhere who doesn't know what that feels like. So we now know what Donald thinks and what he says and how he acts toward women. That's who Donald is. I think it's really up to all of us to demonstrate who we are and who our country is and to stand up and be very clear about what we expect from our next president, how we want to bring our country together, where we don't want to have the kind of pitting of people one against the other, where instead we celebrate our diversity, we lift people up, and we make our country even greater. America is great because America is good. And it really is up to all of us to make that true now and in the future, and particularly for our children and our grandchildren. Mr. Trump. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Nobody has more respect. Please, everybody. Yeah, it's it's like the it's the absolute like I don't know. Can we say the the nadir of uh, yeah. political discourse? Yeah, we exactly. America is great because America is good. It's a, it's the stupidest, most circularly logical <laughs> thing you could possibly say. Yeah, it's like saying uh, wherever. Um, it's like saying wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> Like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe there's some hidden depths. I don't know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> let's see. America is great because America is good. Well, uh, some percentage of America elected Donald Trump. I don't know how good that is. <laughs> so, I think they're operating on like a fifty-one. Be carrying. <laughs> We got maybe they're operating on like fifty one percent is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fifty one percent is great, but they're carrying around with them a basket of deplorables. <laughs> a very heavy basket. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Donald Trump at one point said, "Nobody has more respect for women than I do." Nobody. At this point, there was audible laughter in the audience, and uh, Chris Wallace said, "Please, everybody." And he says, and frankly, those stories have uh, been largely debunked. And I really want to just talk about something uh, 
I want to talk about something slightly different. This is this, okay. So this is this is the big pivot. This is where he like totally changes the subject. Like usually, there's some artfulness to to shifting the subject, right? You have to kind of finesse it, and you got to be careful that the moderator or your opponent don't catch you changing the subject. But so he says, um, yeah, nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. People are laughing. Please, everybody. And frankly, these stories have uh, been largely debunked, and I really just want to talk about something slightly different. She mentions this, which is all fiction, all fictionalized, probably or possibly started by her or her very sleazy campaign. <laughs> but I will tell you, what isn't fictionalized are her emails, which she destroyed 33,000 emails criminally, criminally, after getting a subpoena from the U.S. Congress. What happened to the FBI? I don't know. Um, et cetera. So anyway, yeah, he said, you know, these women are coming after him for fame or for the Clinton campaign or something. But obviously this is not a very good, you know, he just said, like, um, I, have, I respect women, and I want to talk about something slightly different. And did you know that Hillary deleted 33,000 emails? <laughs> it's like, it's it's totally unrelated, right? It's, it's yes. Like, but this was kind of the same thing that happened in the last debate when they asked him about the Billy Bush tape, and he immediately started talking about ISIS or something. <laughs> yeah, that was bizarre, too. I remember that. It was just, you know, he desperately, desperately, desperately wanted to talk about something where he could be, you know, bold and angry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he chose that other topic. Yeah, exactly. Um they they got to the issue of the Clinton the Clinton the Clinton camp uh, Clinton Foundation rather. I thought it was called the Clinton Global Initiative, but maybe we talked about that before. That this might be slightly different. Or something, but. It could just be um, that he's conflating the two and doesn't know the difference. But <laughs> well, Hillary never corrects him, so I I, I have yeah, my doubts. But. Yeah, that's true. Let's see. He says it's been very well studied, and it's a criminal criminal enterprise, and so many people know it. It's a criminal enterprise. Saudi Arabia giving $25 million, Qatar, all of these countries. You talk about uh, women and women's rights. So these are people that push gays off business, off buildings. (laughs) (laughs) These are people that kill women and treat women horribly. And yet you take their money. Um, So I'd like to ask you right now, why don't you give back the money um, that you've taken from certain countries that uh, treat certain groups of people so horrific, so horribly. Why don't you give back the money? Um, let's see. So yeah, so that was pretty funny. He said, um, "You know, the people in Saudi Arabia. These are so these are people that push gays off business." <laughs> yeah. I guess he's used to talking about business. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was an interesting uh, <laughs> mistake. <laughs> Yeah, kind of, I don't know, Freudian slip or something. But mm-hmm. then he continues talking about uh, international affairs, and he goes on to something about Haiti. He says, "You take a look at the people of Haiti. Uh, I was in Little Haiti the other day in Florida, and I want to tell you, they hate the Clintons because what's happened in Haiti with the Clinton Foundation is disgrace, and you know it, and they know it, and everybody knows it. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened with the Clinton Foundation in Haiti." I was at Little Haiti the other day in Florida, and I want to tell you, they hate the Clintons because what's happened in Haiti with the Clinton Foundation is a disgrace. And you know it, and they know it, and everybody knows it. Um, but, yeah. 
Uh, I think that's another right-wing talking point. Apparently, the um, I'm going to get this wrong, but like the the temporary homes they gave the people to live in uh, were apparently there's something wrong with them, or I don't know, something like that. Um, so basically, just saying they made things worse by by going there. I don't know the truth of it, to be honest. And even if it went well, I'm sure they'd find something else to complain about with this. But you know, the the yeah. idea that there's any like, uh, I mean, his foundation can't even raise money in the state of New York right now because it's under investigation. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't really know if you want to be comparing foundations because I think even if the Clinton's, you know, thing is just somewhat shady or, or at least if you claim it is, it's like yours is like always going to be more shady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, trust me. Uh, Hillary Clinton's foundation probably had no trouble raising money in New York, <laughs> unlike the Trump Foundation. Uh, and Hillary said, she said, I think she said, um, I'd be happy to compare what we do with the Trump Foundation, which took money from other people and took a six and bought a six foot portrait of Donald. I mean, who does that? It was just astonishing. Astonishing. This is a good point. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, oh, no, we give 100% to charities and the troops, and we help the troops and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we were trying to raise the American flag in Florida, but they said we couldn't, so we had a lawsuit. She's like, you paid for the lawsuit with your money. He's like, no, we were trying to raise the American flag. I don't know. Well, he's, he's intentionally mixing yeah. things up because from what I've read, the thing that she's referring to is the fact that there was a hole-in-one golf tournament at his Mar-a-Lago place or whatever, and this guy mm-hmm. hit a hole-in-one, and they said you'd get a million dollars if you hit a hole-in-one, and then they took him aside after they were like celebrating and stuff, and it's like, look, the hole wasn't long enough to qualify and you're not getting anything and so then he like sued uh, them and then uh, they settled but when they settled he said okay I'll, I'll drop the lawsuit if you give X amount of money to, to this charity of my choice and the check that they gave to the charity of his choice came from the Trump Foundation which has none of Donald Trump's money in it so he's basically using it as a piggy bank to pay for his own legal <laughs> legal bills so boy, yeah, that's a mess. And then Trump, you know, I saw Kelly and Conway on some show. Was like, well, the money went to veterans. Like, yeah, because the court said had to, and, and then it wasn't even your money that you paid it with. So. Yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, I'll take credit for anything. Mm-hmm. So, court mandated or otherwise. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Let's see. What are the, um, let's see. At some point he said he's still complaining about how Hillary takes money. You take in so much money. I mean, I just sat in my apartment today on a, in a very beautiful hotel down the street known as Trump. And Hillary interjected, made with Chinese steel. (laughs) But I will tell you, I sat there. I sat there watching and ad after ad after ad. False ad, all paid for by your friends on Wall Street. They gave so much money because they know you're going to protect them. And frankly, you should have changed the laws. If you don't like what I did, you should have changed the laws. Which is, again, another scene where he's, you know, <laughs> I will do immoral things that are legal as long as you don't stop me. It's your job to stop me. 
Yeah, he's like yeah. he's like the uh, serial killer in the movie, being like, "Stop me before I kill again!" <laughs> like, <laughs> somebody hold me back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want you to find me. I don't want to be like this. Yeah. Stop crying over there. <laughs> I sat there watching ad after ad after ad, false ad, all paid for by your friends on Wall Street that gave so much money because they know you're going to protect them. And frankly, uh, you should have changed M- the laws. Trump, if you don't like what I did, you should have changed Mr. the laws. Mr. Trump, I want to ask you about one last question in, the, in this topic. You have been warning at re- rallies recently that this election is rigged and that Hillary Clinton is in the process of trying to steal it from you. Your running mate, Governor Pence, pledged on Sunday that he and you, his words, will absolutely accept the result of this election. Today, your daughter Ivanka said the same thing. I want to ask you here on the stage tonight, do you make the same commitment that you will absolutely, sir, that you will absolutely accept the result of this election? I will look at it at the time. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. What I've seen, what I've seen is so bad. First of all, the media is so dishonest and so corrupt, and the pile-on is so amazing. The New York Times actually wrote an article about it that they don't even care. It's so dishonest, and they poisoned the minds of the voters. But unfortunately for them, I think the voters are seeing through it. I think they're going to see through it. We'll find out on November 8th, but I think they're going to see through it. But, sir, there's a... If you look... Excuse me, Chris. If you look at your voter rolls, you will see... Millions of people that are registered to vote, millions, this isn't coming from me, this is coming from Pew Report and other places, millions of people that are registered to vote that shouldn't be registered to vote. So, let me just give you one other thing. So I talk about the corrupt media, I talk about the millions of people. Tell you one other thing. She shouldn't be allowed to run. It's cro- she's, she's guilty of a very, very serious crime. She should not be allowed to run. And just in that respect, I say it's rigged because she should never, Chris, she should never have been allowed to run for the presidency based on what she did with emails and so many other things. But, sir, there is a tradition in this country. In fact, one of the prides of this country is the peaceful transition of power and that no matter how hard fought a campaign is, that at the end of the campaign, that... The loser concedes to the winner, not saying that you're necessarily going to be the loser or the winner, but that the loser concedes to the winner and that the country comes together in part for the good of the country. Are you saying you're not prepared now to commit to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. Well, Chris, let me respond to that because that's horrifying. You know, every time Donald thinks things are not going in his direction, he claims whatever it is is rigged against him. Uh, The FBI conducted a year-long investigation into my emails. They concluded there was no case. He said the FBI was rigged. He lost the Iowa caucus. He lost the Wisconsin primary. He said the Republican primary was rigged against him. Then Trump University gets sued for fraud and racketeering. He claims the court system and the federal judge is rigged against him. Uh, There was even a time when He didn't get an Emmy for his TV program three years in a row, and he started tweeting that the Emmys were rigged against him. Should have gotten it. This this is a mindset. This This is how Donald thinks. 
And it's funny, but it's also really troubling. Okay. Now, that is not the way our democracy works. We've been around for 240 years. We've had free and fair elections. We've accepted the outcomes when we may not have liked them. And that is what must be expected of anyone standing on a debate stage during a general election. You know, President Obama said the other day, when you're whining before hold, hold, the game hold on, is folks. even hold on, finished, folks. it just shows you, you're not up to doing the job. And let's, you know, let's be clear about what he is saying and what that means. He is denigrating, he's talking down our democracy. And I, for one, am appalled that somebody who is the nominee of one of our two major parties would take that kind of position. I think what the FBI did and what the Department of Justice did, including meeting with her husband, the attorney general, in the back of an airplane on the tarmac in Arizona, I think it's disgraceful. I think it's a disgrace. All right. I think we've never had a situation uh, uh, hold, so bad. Hold on, in this folks. This, this doesn't do any good for anyone. Let's please continue the debate and let's move on to the subject of foreign hotspots. Then there were the famous, I mean, I think there were, I feel like there were three major quotes, maybe four major quotes that came out of this. And the next one's coming up was um, where he's talking about, you know, will he acknowledge the election mm-hmm. as legitimate? When he if and when he loses, yeah. of course, Chris Wallace said things like, "Oh, and I'm not saying a lose or necessarily it's a win, but I'm just saying like we respect the, you know, the whatever." He's like, "I will look at it at the time. I'm not going. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. What I've seen, what I've seen is so bad. First of all, the media is so dishonest and so corrupt, and the pylon is so amazing. Um, and actually, that whole whole speech is almost worth." Uh, Mm-hmm. with uh, <laughs> including in the thing because it, it's a pretty wild speech. Yeah, it really is, yeah. Um, yeah, and later he goes on to say that millions of people are registered to vote who shouldn't be. Um, that's interesting in light of Republicans' efforts to, you know, knock people off the ballots and stuff in every state that they can where there are black people. Um Millions of people. I, I don't think. I don't think even the most like rabid Republican would say that there are millions of people who are registered to vote who shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be surprised if there were Republicans who said that. Yeah. Well, they want to conflate. They they, they they want to inflate the, the the danger so they can disenfranchise more you know people that aren't going to vote for them, aka black and brown people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really think this voter disenfranchisement thing is something that needs to be. And I mean, you know, I'm still a little bit torn on, you know, voting Green Party or voting Hillary Clinton. Um, but one thing that kind of pushes me to want to vote for Hillary Clinton is just to give these people as much of a resounding defeat as they can get mm-hmm. rather than letting Hillary just kind of squeak by. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that my vote alone can do that, but, you know, insofar as I'm one of the members of the, you know, uh, the Bernie movement or whatever that was largely disaffected by the uh, by the cold shoulder we got from Hillary Clinton. But at the same time, like, you know, these people are trying to knock off all these people off voter rolls and stuff. They need to, they need to be put down, you know. They don't, need to, they don't deserve to come anywhere close to um, winning this thing with these kinds of tactics. Mm-hmm. But well, I think, like, with, yeah. with the, you know, this... With this stuff, I think, like, um, you know, they always say, well, like, you know, oh, well, there's voter fraud that happens. And other people say, well, no, it doesn't happen very much. It just happens, like, like six times per year or something. Or, like, you know, there's, there's a case here, a case there. And most of the time, the cases were 
honest mistakes, not intentionally mm-hmm. uh, trying to do something. And, you know, and frankly, even if somebody like somehow, man, even if one person, I think they would say, well, even if one person does it, it's too many. We have to stop that. But like, the thing is like one person, you know, one person who's not supposed to vote voting doesn't, it doesn't affect anything. It really doesn't make a single bit of difference. But mm-hmm. if you and your cronies somehow get entire, like, you know, like 8% of the population of a certain neighborhood knocked off the list or something like that, which seems wildly more plausible to me as a, as a damage to democracy and the democratic ideal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just more damaging to, you know, if you say you want to have free and fair elections, then you're doing more damage to that by these, you know, these wild, uh, you know, voter, mm-hmm. voter uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like all the poll tax stuff back in the day or whatever, mm-hmm. Jim Crow and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's so, you know, and they, you know, they have these Republicans on the, on the morning shows or on the Sunday shows and they, you know, nobody really pushes it. Like, they, they're like, well, hey, I, I swear, I mean, this stuff is all dog whistle stuff. Mm-hmm. This is this is just like so many other issues where they say, well, the state's right this year if they want to, you know, deregulate or, you know, uh, desegregate the buses. Mm-hmm. Which is basically saying, well, no, if the states that are racist want to keep black people off the buses or whatever, uh, then that's their, that's their choice. That should be their choice, which is the dog whistle. And this one, you know, there are millions of people voting who shouldn't be voting. Uh, he's basically talking about black people, <laughs> basically. But, you know, the group in America that's smart enough to have 100% of their members practice practically not voting for Donald Trump, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, but, um, but I, I don't know. I, I think I really wish that um, news media people would really push back on this fiction that voter fraud in America is this huge problem that happens all the time and that we need to, you know, we need to knock a whole bunch of people off the rolls to, uh, to uh, counteract it, yeah, I, I really think that this is a this is a big issue. It's not, you know, and if the Republicans were at all smart, they'd realize that this is not, you know, this is the kind of shit that's going to turn African American voters against them for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact, oh, I, I went to try to vote, but the Republicans had purged the rolls or something. Mm-hmm. And and to be fair, Hillary Clinton did this in certain districts of New York, from what I remember. At least the DNC did mm-hmm. on behalf of Hillary Clinton, right? Right. A lot of people in in uh, Bernie Town up there in New York were uh, found themselves off the rolls for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, I, to, to be completely fair and nonpartisan, I would say that you know everybody needs to stop. Number one, I think the gerrymandering needs to stop. I think you know mm-hmm. it needs to basically just. I don't know what the solution is exactly, but like. I don't know. You know what? Democracy, you got to be democracy. Mm-hmm. It's it, you can't play all these little games where like, uh, oh, you know, uh, you have a felony, you can't vote. I'm not so sure that certain people with felonies shouldn't vote. I mean, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, number one, I don't think any president is ever going to be elected through the power of the felony vote, <laughs> the convicted felon vote. This is not like you know. This is not like the uh, the moral majority or something. This is not like. <laughs> This is not ever going to be a huge voting block that's going to swing an election. Right. Um, and frankly, the people who, the, the, the dangerous felons who, you know, have questionable morality or something and went to jail for that, are probably not people who are very politically um, conscious. You know, they're probably, they're operating in a different way with different concerns. They're not, they're not worried about voting for 
you know, somebody in the election necessarily. Mm-hmm. And certainly not in mass numbers. I, I don't know. What do you? Th- I, I've been ranting on this for a little bit. But what do you think about this stuff? Because I think this is a, yeah. a pretty big issue, and this is something that needs to be covered in a way. You know, you, you can't keep letting Republicans say it's not a race issue or it's not a mm-hmm. voter disenfranchisement issue, right? Which is what it, it transparently is that, mm-hmm. and they talk about it in ways that indicate that in their dog whistle way, like. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. if you look I, at when crazy pills here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you look at when um, the Voting Rights Act was gutted by the Supreme Court, I think it was 2013, they uh, had all these laws that had been on hold in all these states that once they kind of took the power away from the Voting Rights Act to regulate these states, they immediately put in these voter ID laws. So, you know, first of all, the Supreme Court was wrong for, for doing that because, you know, the Justice Roberts or whoever it was that wrote the majority opinion was like, well, things change. You know, we're not as racist as we used to be. And it's like, maybe we're not as racist as we used to be because there was laws in place that said people couldn't be racist uh, officially. But then once they took that away, immediately saw all these states, you know, implement these voter ID laws. So... That's one thing. The other thing is, why is only one party concerned about this? Obviously, it's because the party that's concerned about it is not getting the votes anyway, so they're looking to knock these people off the rolls. It's not about, you know, let's uphold the validity of our elections. It's because the, it's because the Clinton-Obama uh, New World Order, is, uh, they've been rigging elections forever, oh, and yeah. they like it the way it is. How could they I forget? That's what it yeah. is. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too deep in the Matrix. I guess to to get that oh, one. Man. You gotta listen to Alex Jones. Gotta take the red pill or whatever. You got it all figured out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, I. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I just think it's like uh, you know this in person impersonating someone else voter fraud that never never happens. It's just it the vanishingly small. And, and from what I've heard, most of the voter fraud that goes on is now is apparently right-wing activists trying to create situations where there is voter fraud so they can point to it. You know, that's that's what people are, are now saying is the bigger problem, is that people are trying to, like, intentionally do this to, to create cases. So, there's literally not, it never happens. It's a very inefficient way to, quote-unquote, rig an election, because you're really going to, like, bust like a group of, like, voters from one precinct to the next, and uh, the logistics involved and that just seemed crazy to me. Um, also, yeah. not yeah, not to me. Yeah. I mean, there's paper. There's, there's paperwork every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it, if it happens, it can be found out. Yeah, yeah, and, very easily. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not. It's never going to be enough to swing an election. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like it's just stuff like this that you know it's like. Republicans say they love the, you know, the Constitution and they want to protect the American democracy, but like their actions don't really mm-hmm. suggest that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think they would be fine if the election by hook or by crook. Yeah. I think they're always fine with low voter turnout. I mean, look at what happens in the um, midterm elections, for example. You know, the uh, 2014. You know, when all these people, you know, Republicans, you know, win big. You know, in all these uh, contests, you know, it's because it's a lower voter turnout year. I mean, it, they they don't do as well on a 
presidential election year because those are bigger, you know, races and stuff, and people come out for that. So when they have these like midterm elections, Republicans always do better because when less people vote, Republicans win. When more people vote, Democrats win. It's just the way it goes. So you know, it's it's pretty nakedly partisan of them to just want to suppress the votes because it's you know because it's in their interest at the time and like you said this is going to turn people off because there are studies that say once you tell people they can't vote that just makes them more active and want to vote because it's like if you try to take someone's rights away they're going to want to use it you know what i mean I, i hope that democrats you know are getting serious about voting in the, you know, I guess what, 2018 is the next midterm is coming up probably. Yeah. And I, I think, I hope that everybody realizes after Obama's presidency where, you know, he had the majority in the first two years, he didn't act on it. Mm-hmm. And then for the next six years he had, you know, he didn't have the two houses of Congress and stuff. And I hope people get real about this and say, Congress is the problem. Mm-hmm. The obstructionism is the problem. Everything else gets traced back to that, basically, and I hope that people find their way to the polls on the mid for the midterms. Um, but let's see, what else did Trump say? He said uh, he said that Hillary. He's talking about uh, she should have she should have never been allowed to run based on what she did with the emails and so many other things. <laughs> um, uh, he came back to the thing about they were continuing to press him on whether he would accept the results, and he said, um, well, I'm saying, what well, I'm saying is that I'll tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense, okay? <laughs> um, and Hillary comes back, and she had a really good speech. Um, she said, well, Chris, let me respond to that, because that's horrifying. <laughs> you know, every time Donald thinks uh, things are not going in his direction, he claims whatever it is is rigged against him. Uh, the FBI conducted a year-long investigation into my emails. Uh, they concluded that there was no case. He said the FBI was rigged. He lost the Iowa caucuses. He lost the Wisconsin primary. He said the Republican primary was rigged against him. Then Trump University gets sued for fraud and racketeering. He claims the court system and the federal judge is rigged against him. I, uh, there was even a time when he didn't get an Emmy for his TV program three years in a row, and he started tweeting that the Emmys were rigged. Wait, can, can, I, can I do his interjection? Yeah, and, and he claimed, okay, you're, after I say against, you're going to interject. Okay. Um, and he claimed, he, he claimed that the Emmys were rigged against. Should have won. <laughs> Should have won it. Should have gotten it. Should have gotten it. Should have gotten it. <laughs> yeah, Should have gotten it. <laughs> yeah, he claimed that the, the, the Emmys were rigged. Should have gotten it you know, against him. And this is a mindset that this is this is how Donald thinks. And it's funny, but it's also really troubling. I think, I think she's right. I mean, I, she had a really good speech there where she dinged him on that. And I mean, he revealed himself to be just as petty and as petulant as you know she's accusing him of being by interjecting that way about. And, and it's funny because he he doesn't he doesn't speak up about the emails. He doesn't speak up about the the primaries or the caucuses or the uh, you know the you know the anything like that. He speaks up about a TV show. Yeah. Exactly. It's bizarre. <laughs> well, it's just that um, he has these grudges that he just holds on to, you know, against all reason. Like, it's the same thing with that Alicia Machado person. It's like, this is a Miss Universe that nobody really remembered before this for like 20 years ago. And it's like, you're still you're still upset about how, you know, she ate too much or something. I don't know. How fat she was. She was an eating machine. 
<laughs> oh no. Um, let's see. Um, I think even after after Hillary finished her speech about him there, and he did the should have gotten the thing, uh, people were applauding or cheering a little bit, and then but it died down really quickly. And then Donald said something too. He said something about Hillary, something about I don't know emails or jail or unqualified or I, I don't know what he said, but there was some applause in the audience. And uh, Chris Wallace said, "Hold on, folks, this doesn't do any good for anybody." <laughs> Yeah, applauding and responding to what the people are saying doesn't do any good for anybody. Okay, maybe it doesn't do it doesn't do good for you know uh, Fox News or uh, I don't know the uh, whatever the debate committee is that made the stupid rule that in all three debates there would be no audience response. But uh, I don't know that it does doesn't do any good for anybody. It lets the viewers know how the ridiculous things that these people say are being received. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, let's see. Hillary had another good line. She said, yes, we do need to go after Baghdadi. And, uh, just like we went after bin Laden, uh, while you were doing celebrity apprentice and we brought him to justice. Um, uh, he, Trump responds to Hillary at one point. He says, no, you are the one that's unfit. You know, WikiLeaks just actually came out. John Podesta said some horrible things about you. And boy, was he right. He said some beauties. Secretary Clinton, it's he an open he, discussion. But he Secretary, would have gained now, if they did it by Secretary, please they let Mr. Trump speak. He's unfit, and he proves it every no. time You he are talks. the one that's unfit. You know, WikiLeaks just actually came out. John Podesta said some horrible things about you. And boy, was he right. He said some beauties. And, you know, Bernie Sanders, uh, he said you have bad judgment. You do. And if you think that going into Mosul, after we let the world know we're going in, and all of the people that we really wanted, the leaders, they're all gone. If you think that was good, then you do. Now, John Podesta said you have terrible instincts. Bernie Sanders said you have bad judgment. I agree with both. Well, you should ask Bernie Sanders who he's supporting for president. And he has said, Which is as a he big has mistake. campaigned for me around the country, you are the most dangerous person to run for president in the modern history of America. I think he's right. <laughs> um, at this point, Donald Trump and the thing, he, he's like one of his eyes is open more than the other. His skin looks a little... I don't know, pallid or something. I don't know what the word is. Pallid? Is that the word? Uh, that a word? That's a word. I don't know if it's right usage, but yeah. <laughs> the right word? Yeah. Yeah, he looks a little bit pale and a little bit flustered and a little bit red at the same time. Mm -hmm. But not orange. Actually, he didn't look very orange. He looked a little pale in this debate. Usually he looks orange. Mm -hmm. um, we're coming close to the end here, but um, he was talking about the immigration from the, you know, from the... Uh, <clears throat> Syrian war. And he said, this is going to be the great Trojan horse. And wait till you see what happens in the coming years. Lots of luck, Hillary. Thanks a lot for doing a great job. If she did nothing, we'd be in much better shape. And this is what's caused the great migration, where she's taken in tens of thousands of Syrian refugees who probably, in many cases, not probably, who are definitely, me... in many cases... ISIS aligned, and we now have them in our country, and wait till you see, this is going to be the great Trojan horse, and wait till you see what happens in the coming years. Lots of luck, Hillary. Thanks a lot for doing a great job. I'm like, 
lots of luck, Hillary. Did you just admit that she's going to win the election? <laughs> she's going to have to deal with the refugee crisis when she's the president. Yeah, I think uh, that's what you just admitted. Yes. <laughs> lots of luck, Hillary. Yeah. He he admitted it. He's going to lose. He knows it. Um, let's see. He said, if she gets in, GDP, GDP growth will be less than zero. Well, I say they're wrong because I'm going to create tremendous jobs. And we're bringing GDP from really 1%, which is what it is now. And if she got in, it'll be less than zero. Uh, but we're bringing it from 1% up to 4%. And I actually think we can go higher than 4%. I think you can go to 5 or 6%. It's like less than zero. Is this the Brett Easton Ellis reference? Wouldn't it make more sense maybe to reference American Psycho? <laughs> but, uh, he always comes back to the 1980s. Yeah, absolutely. Peculiar uh, psychosis at that time, captured by British and Ellis in many novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, uh, Hillary's complaining about him. She says, uh, I wonder when he thought America was great. And before he rushes in and says, you know, before you and President Obama were there, I think it's important to recognize that he has been criticizing our government for decades. When I hear Donald talk like that and know that his slogan is Make America Great Again, I wonder when he thought America was great. Uh, And before uh, he uh, rushes and says, you know, before you and President Obama were there, I think it's important to recognize that he has been criticizing um, our government for decades. You know, back in 1987, he took out a $100,000 ad in the New York Times during the time when President Reagan was president and basically said exactly what he just said now, that we were the laughing stock of the world. He was criticizing President Reagan. This is the way Donald thinks about himself, puts himself into, you know, the middle and says, you know, I alone can fix it, as he said on the convention stage. But if you look at the debt, which is the issue you asked about, Chris, I pay for everything I'm proposing. I do not add a penny to the national debt. I take that very seriously because I do think it's one of the issues we've got to come to grips with. Which is apparently true. He was critical of... I, I don't know. I've seen him. I actually saw him on a, uh, Oprah on the Oprah show one time. He's complaining about the government, and she said something like, "Well, Donald, why don't you run? It sounds like you're going to run." And he, you know, he says, "Well, I'm not going to do that right now. I'm not interested in that right now. But maybe someday, if things get really bad or something, uh, I'll run." So you took out a full page ad in uh, major U.S. newspapers uh, last year criticizing U.S. foreign policy. What would you do differently, Donald? I'd make our allies, forgetting about the enemies, the enemies you can't talk to so easily, I'd make our allies pay their fair share. We're a debtor nation. Something's going to happen over the next number of years with this country because you can't keep going on losing $200 billion, and yet we, we let Japan come in and dump everything right into our markets and everything. It's not free trade. If you ever go to Japan right now and try to sell something, forget about it, Oprah. Just forget about it. It's almost impossible. They don't have laws against it. They just make it impossible. They come over here, they sell their cars, their VCRs, they knock the hell out of our companies. And, hey, I have tremendous respect for the Japanese people. I mean, you can respect somebody that's beating the hell out of you, but they are beating the hell out of this country. Kuwait, they live like kings. The poorest person in Kuwait, they live like kings. And yet they're not paying. We make it possible for them to sell their oil. Why aren't they paying us 25% of what they're making? It's a joke. This, this sounds like political presidential talk to me. And I know people have talked to you about whether or not you want to run. Would you, would you ever? Probably not. But I, I do get tired of seeing the country ripped Why off. Why would you not? I just don't think, 
I really have the inclination to do it. I love what I'm doing. I really like it. Also, I, it doesn't pay as well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I just probably wouldn't do it, Oprah. I probably wouldn't, but I do get tired of seeing what's happening with this country. And if it got so bad, I would never want to rule it out totally because I really am tired of seeing what's happening with this country, how we're, how we're really making other people live like kings, and we're not. What do, what do you think of this year's presidential race, the way it's shaping up? Well, it's going to be very interesting. I, I think... Uh, I think that probably George Bush has an advantage in terms of the election. I think that probably people would say that he's got like that little edge in terms of the incumbency, et cetera, et cetera. But I think Jesse Jackson's done himself very proud. I think Michael Dukakis has done one hell of a job. And George Bush has done a hell of a job. You know, he, they all went in there sort of as semi-underdogs, including George Bush, and they've all come out. Uh, I think people that are around all three of those candidates can be very proud of the jobs they've done. You've said, though, that if you did run for president, you believe you'd win. Well, I don't know. I think I'd win. I tell you what, I wouldn't go in to lose. I've never gone in to lose in my life. And, and if I did decide to do it, I think I'd be inclined. I, w I would say that I would have a hell of a chance of winning because I think people, I don't know how your audience feels, but I think people are tired of seeing the United States ripped off. And I can't promise you everything, but I can tell you one thing. This country would make one hell of a lot of money from those people that for 25 years have taken advantage. It wouldn't be the way it's been. Believe me. Apparently he's reached that point. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's been complaining about the government for a long time, and in the same way, no matter who's in power, whether mm -hmm. it's the Democrats or Republicans, he seems to complain. So exactly, very convenient. Yeah, it's a convenient attitude to have. I think. I, I think that's another thing about all these kind of these know nothings. Where like it's all the same thing, man. You know, like the Democrats and Republicans. It's all you know. They're also part of the same club. To some degree, they have a point, but at the same time, like. Uh, it's convenient if you want to run as an outsider, I guess, to say that it's all the same thing and they're all corrupt and throw them all out of office and stuff. But, like, yeah, the differences, so you got to yeah. acknowledge those. Well, I mean, that you have no record to run on then, so it's like you never have to defend anything you've done because you've never done anything, so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, like, something that, you know, I, I don't know. I think Hillary's a frustrating candidate because she has been on both sides of so many issues and stuff. But I will, to, to give her or anybody else a little bit of credit, I don't want to give them too much credit, but I, I will just say that, like, I think that what most people don't realize is that once you get into office, you will have to compromise, and you will have to make deals, and you will have to, you know, go back on things you might have said in the past. You will just have to. I mean, there will be conflicts. There will be conflicts where, you know, that you can't even imagine right now. There will be conflicts where, you know, there's something you believe, but, you know, maybe 99% of the rest of your party doesn't believe it. And they're going to say, no, you've got to play ball with us right now. You do this for us, and we'll help you out with some other thing that you care about later. But, like, you're not – if you oppose us on this, you're not going to get the other thing, and you're going to lose. And I, just, you know, I, I don't think you, – you can't – no politician can, you know – be principled 100 percent of the time and you know when you look back in retrospect that often looks like uh lying or corruption or whatever it is mm -hmm. and sometimes it really does literally rise to that level but um in hillary's class case i think i'm sorry to say i think it does quite often but but to just say you know all politicians are like that and you should never trust anybody and yada 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 very easy to say, it's fun to say, it's convenient to say, and, you know, your your friends will pat you on the back for it, but mm -hmm. I don't think you're really wrestling with the, uh, the the depths of the difficulties of actually trying to run a country or a state or a city or whatever. 
let's see. Then we come to another of Donald's famous lines from the last debate. Uh, Hillary was saying something about, uh, my taxes will go up under my plan, and Donald's taxes will go up, too, assuming he can't find a way to get out of it. This is such a nasty woman. (laughs) 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 She wants to tax me, and she says, I'll try to get out of it. I only try to get out of it if she doesn't make me stop. I'd be totally okay with if she made me stop, but if she doesn't, I'll do it, and it'll be her fault. Well, Chris, I am on record as saying that we need to put more money into the Social Security Trust Fund. That's part of uh, my commitment to raise taxes on the wealthy. My Social Security payroll contribution will go up, as will Donald's, assuming he can't figure out how to get out of it. Uh, but what we want to do is to replenish the Social Security Trust woman. Fund by making sure that we have sufficient resources. And that will come from either raising the cap and or finding other ways to get more money into it. I will not cut benefits. I want to enhance benefits for low-income workers and for women who have been disadvantaged by the current Social Security system. But what Donald is proposing with these massive tax cuts will result in a $20 trillion additional national debt. That will have dire consequences for Social Security and Medicare. And I'll say something about the Affordable Care Act, which he wants to repeal. The Affordable Care Act extended the solvency of the Medicare trust fund. So if he repeals it, our Medicare problem gets worse. What we need to do is go after the long-term health care drivers. We've got to get costs down, increase value, emphasize wellness. I have a plan for doing that, and I think that we will be able to get entitlement spending under control by with more resources and smarter decisions. This is the final time, probably to both of your delight, that you're going to be on a stage together in this campaign. I would like to end it on a positive note. You had not agreed to uh, closing statements, but it seems to me in a funny way that might make it more interesting because you haven't prepared closing statements. So I'd like you each to take it. We're going to put a clock up a minute as the final question and the final debate to tell the American people why they should elect you to be the next president. This is another new mini-segment. Secretary Clinton, it's your turn to go first. Well, I would like to um, say to everyone watching tonight uh, that I'm reaching out to all Americans, Democrats, Republicans, and independents, because we need everybody to help make our country what it should be, to grow the economy, to make it fairer, to make it work for everyone. We need your talents, your skills, your commitment, your energy, your ambition. You know, I've been privileged to see the presidency up close, and I know the awesome responsibility of protecting our country and the incredible opportunity of working to try to make life better for all of you. I have made the cause of children and families uh, really my life's work. That's what my mission will be in the presidency. I will stand up for families against powerful interests, against corporations. I will do everything that I can to make sure that you have good jobs with rising incomes, that your kids have good educations from preschool through college. I hope you will give me a chance to serve as your president. Secretary Clinton, thank you. Mr. Trump? She's raising the money from the people she wants to control. doesn't work that way. But when I started this campaign, I started it very strongly. It's called Make America Great Again. We're going to make America great. We have a depleted military. It has to be helped, has to be fixed. We have the greatest people on earth in our military. 
We don't take care of our veterans. We take care of illegal immigrants, people that come into the country illegally better than we take care of our vets. That can't happen. Our policemen and women are disrespected. We need law and order, but we need justice, too. Our inner cities are a disaster. You get shot walking to the store. They have no education. They have no jobs. I will do more for African-Americans and Latinos than she can ever do in 10 lifetimes. All she's done is talk to the African-Americans and to the Latinos. But they get the vote, and then they come back. They say, we'll see you in four years. We are going to make America strong again, and we are going to make America great again. And it has to start now. We cannot take four more years of Barack Obama, and that's what you get when you get her. Um, he, he didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing, but that's his attitude. But um, we'll see. I, I think they were talking about the Affordable Care Act, or quote unquote Obamacare. And um, Donald Trump interjected. She was talking about Obamacare, and he interjected. Your husband disagrees with you. <laughs> your, your husband disagrees with you. So, um, yeah, more the interjections started coming fast and furious towards the end. Yeah. Um, and then finally, like my last note was the closing statements, where you know basically Hillary was positive and presidential and uplifting and all that, and Trump just basically used his two minutes to continue to shit all over Hillary. <laughs> um, <laughs> He, uh, before, uh, like, when she had finished hers, I was like, okay, that seems all right. Okay, yeah, pretty standard. Nothing surprising there. And I, and I just, as soon as they said uh, Chris Wallace was, like, transitioning to Trump, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be negative. I just feel like it's going to be negative. And sure enough, it was. <laughs> I don't remember what he said. and it, You know, none of it was really noteworthy, but but it was. So, yeah, so that that, that basically concludes the notes of the notes that I took about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you have any any closing thoughts on it? Oh, no, I mean, I think we, we covered mostly. Uh, you're right, though. The impromptu uh, <laughs> thing at the end there with the closing statement was pretty telling. No, he doesn't, you know, Hillary went into total, like, debate class, you know, summarized each her points and stuff, and he was still just on his his tirade or whatever. So <laughs> that was an interesting moment because I guess they weren't prepared for that or they didn't expect that. So a little bit more of a telling moment there at the end, I think. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, I'm thinking that Sopranos episode where they they made the movie or whatever, Chris Mantisanti's movie. Yes. And they originally wanted to get Ben Kingsley, <laughs> the actor. But they, they got Billy Baldwin instead. <laughs> the good Baldwin. <laughs> the best Baldwin or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And um, Chris, she can brag about her resume, but I'm the one who's got all the heavy hitters supporting me. I mean, I have got the cream of the crop. I've got Sarah Palin. <laughs> I've got Chachi. <laughs> and get this, I've even got the best Baldwin brother, Stephen Baldwin. And after they watch the movie or something, uh, Chris Moltisanti or something, it's like, man, Billy Baldwin took, he took Ben Kingsley to acting class. <laughs> I don't really know how that applies to this debate, but I just, it, for some reason, I, I, <laughs> I imagine. I mean, I imagine that's how a Republican would defend Trump. Boy, Trump just took Hillary to debate class. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh boy! Abject denial of reality. 
That's funny. Wow. So yeah, I think it's it's all over but the crying now. <laughs> yeah, barring some uh, all of us, you know. Yeah, barring some new revelation about Hillary between now and you know election day, I think we're probably uh, it's probably pretty much over, which couldn't happen soon enough, frankly. Yeah. But. Yeah, what would the revelation be? She grabbed ten guys schlong. <laughs> <laughs> How would she top Trump's uh, sexual harassment? Oh, I don't like, know. She'd have, to, she'd have to really make some some quick work to, <laughs> to to make up for lost time on that. Yeah, I don't know what could come out. Yeah, but apparently they've shut off Julian Assange's uh, internet access at the Ecuadorian embassy there. So. Yeah, I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, I'm I'm a little bit. I, I, part of me wants to say, okay, um, the information can keep coming. I think it's interesting and stuff, and I don't really care if it comes from Russia. It's, you know, maybe we have a right to know or something. But on the other hand, like, I can kind of understand why that would happen because, like, he was he has been very one sided. And at first, I didn't really notice it. I you know, I, I noticed it, but I thought you know there could be stuff coming on everybody. But it has been re- very one sided and very obviously very partisan against Hillary. I don't know that Julian Assange has much love for Trump, but you know, I, I, maybe he has some hope in his mind that if he sinks Hillary Clinton's election, Donald Trump will grant him a pardon or something, mm-hmm. which might not be unrealistic. It might, it could happen. I think that's a reasonable thing for him to think. I mean, I think he knows that, you know, she's going to come after him just as hard or harder than Obama has. So I think that, you know, it's probably in his interest to, you know, try to get Trump elected because it seems like the Sean Hannity Trump wing of the Republican party now views, uh, Julian Assange as some sort of folk hero, um, which has been interesting to watch (laughs) because yeah, you know, you think back, to what you know they were saying they wanted to give him the they wanted to give him the death penalty a couple of years ago yeah with the Chelsea Manning stuff yeah they were they were ready to throw the book at him and more so yeah it's it's was like okay now that this benefits you he's, he's all of a sudden a great Paul Revere truth teller so <laughs> yeah well I guess Julian Assange may yet benefit from the blind partisanship and uh, short memories of Republicans but in utter hypocrisy mm-hmm. not to mention um, but yeah so but I mean what do you think about that though I mean the Ecuadorian embassy Ecuadorian government shutting down Julian Assange's uh, internet and I mean, is that, uh, I, is that yeah. you know yeah, probably. I mean, Ecuador. He's he's there at the pleasure of Ecuador, and you know they they still have to get somewhat along with America. So, I think you know America has probably been tolerating this somewhat up till now. And you know, I think now that we have an official declaration that the Russians are trying to interfere in our elections, to you know say that is a clear and present threat, they're going to probably put the screws to him. So, I don't know. I feel like it's fair play. You know, I mean, I think they're still really seen the emails from John Podesta or whatever. I don't know that Julian Assange is able to make statements or, or have access from where he's at. I know there's probably other people that have the information that aren't in where he's at. So, I don't know. I feel like the revelations will still I come. Be people, I, I imagine, you know, people come and go to see him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he probably holds court there in the embassy a little bit. I, I have no idea. It may not be the case. But, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I, I think I would imagine that um, WikiLeaks is decentralized enough that, you know, the information that they have is not contained there at the embassy. It's being released from other places mm-hmm. by other people. So, And, you know, if he's a smart guy, he would say, <laughs> you know, if they shut me up for any reason or if something happens to me, 
dump it all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably something like that. Yeah. But, but, I, I, but I'll say, I mean, I, I, think, I think they're halfway, you know, I mean, they've really put themselves out there as far as hosting this guy in their embassy for several years. It's been like four years now or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And this kind of diplomatic ire of the likes of John Kerry and so forth. But, um, <clears throat> Well, and the other thing is, he doesn't have to be in that embassy. He could come out at any time, and then, of course, he would be, you know, arrested for the sex crimes or whatever, but, um, or whatever he's facing in Sweden. So, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, he could come out if he wanted to, I guess. I mean, they would probably not, I don't know how fair of a trial he would get (laughs) based on everything else he's done, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think... I don't know. You, I, I, you imagine like that he could be plotting on like, some sort of a escape, or you know, his head is shaved or something, and puts on a mustache or something, and he sneaks out the back door, addressed to somebody else. And mm-hmm. yeah, you got to imagine they've got they've got secret service or something. I don't, I don't know, not secret service, but some sort of a CIA observation team all over that place looking for anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said before, I think he should face the sex crimes, but I don't think he should necessarily face uh, whistleblower charges. Mm-hmm. You know, right? And I'm not entirely sure that the sex crime, alleged sex crimes, weren't a kind of a honeypot type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get him on these things that are unrelated, and then once he's out in the open, snatch up, snatch him up for what we sure. get him for. Yeah, I think that happens a fair amount. In that kind of case, they don't get you on the thing they want to get you for, so they get you some, for something else. Yeah. Well, Bob, have you been watching the news these days? I've got to be honest, I've kind of taken a couple of days off. I, you know, it's, uh, probably like once a month or something, I might do that. I might just take a couple of days where I don't really... I might read the headlines here or there, but I don't actually delve into the articles as much as I usually do. But um, I don't know what's going on. I imagine Trump's campaign is still floundering. Uh, yeah, it seems to be. It seems to be kind of the same as it was. Uh, the only new thing I heard from from Trump that I, and I wasn't really looking that closely, but uh, the only thing I heard from Trump lately about the sex crime allegations or the sexual assault was that he called one of the accusers a porn star and was like, oh yeah, I bet she's never been grabbed or something. Okay, so I have a question for you, Mr. Donald Trump on New Hampshire today. You were in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania over the weekend uh, talking about a contract with voters, first hundred days. Right. And yet some people say you defend yourself too much on some of these accusations versus just forging ahead. Do you, do you, get, do you, do you feel sometimes that you spend too much time doing that or do you feel you have to do it? You know, Jack, I do in one way I agree with them, but in another way, you know, these are stories that are made up. This is total fiction. You'll find out that in the years to come, uh, these women that stood up, it's all fiction. They were made up. I don't know these women. It's not my thing to do what they say. You know, I don't do that. And, you know, I don't grab them on the, uh, you know, as they say, on, on the arm. And once that he grabbed me on the arm. And she's a porn star. Now, you know, this one that we came out recently, he grabbed me and he grabbed me on the arm. Oh, I'm sure she's never been grabbed before. And they make it so it is it's all lies. It's all lies. It was made up. <laughs> and I didn't do it. Really. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that was even an addendum. I don't even know if he remembered to tag that part on. I think he was just like, "Oh, he gets grabbed." <laughs> 
<laughs> like brilliant Donald, brilliant yeah. defense. Perry, somebody call Perry Mason. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, and what, what did he? His, he had his campaign rally where he said something like, um, "Have you look at her? I don't think so." Something <laughs> like that's probably not my first choice. Yeah, like draft. these women aren't hot enough for me to. <laughs> come on, I molest only the best of the women. <laughs> these are not the good women. <laughs> Hopefully our great movement, and there's never been anything like this in the United States, and the only way they figure they can slow it down is to come up with people that are willing to say, oh, I was with Donald Trump in 1980. I was sitting with him on an airplane, and he went after me on the plane. Yeah, I'm going to go after. Believe me, she would not be my first choice, that I can tell you. Man. You don't know. That would not be my first choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, not a great defense. <laughs> in, uh, in a court of law, with, you know, relatively equal lawyer abilities, mm-hmm. you would be dead to rights on <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I can't believe Republicans are even still saying that he didn't possibly do it, or that these are all, you know, Democratic plants, or they want to be famous or something. He admitted what his behavior as a woman is consistently. Mm-hmm. And then these women say, yeah, yeah, he did that to me. It's like, what are we still talking about? <laughs> he admitted the behavior, and and I, I guess, you know, it's possible that, you know, somebody could be trying to cash in, or they could be, somebody could be trying to, like, add more fuel to the fire, but I don't think that all of them could possibly be lying about it. I just, yeah. you know. It's, uh, once you, it's like Bill Cosby. It's like you, you can believe that a couple people might be just trying to get after him for whatever reason. But when like you, know, you start getting above ten, you know, people, it starts to get like, okay, maybe this is just maybe everyone says this about you because this is just what you do. You know, like, it's, it's possible. It becomes more yeah. possible the more people come forward. So. And, yeah. yeah, and most of them yeah. don't even have any possible way to get paid off of this. I don't even know where the money they think is coming from is coming from. It's like, if the statute of limitations is already, like, expired and this is just, so you're telling something that happened years ago, it's like, you're, oh, what money do you think you're getting off of that? I don't, there's no money to be made. Then you're just, you know, just going at it for, you have to be going at it for different reasons, because who's paying you and why and how? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, well, never let logic get in the get in the uh, get in the way of a good partisan hit job. So, well, anyways, yeah. So I, yeah. Well, anyways, I'm, I'll probably from tomorrow I'll get back on watching the news every day and see what's going on and stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, the, yeah. I gotta say, I'm I'm glad. I think I, I'm glad we've done these three debates and stuff. But I'm glad they're over too because it has been, uh, you know. Watching the debates is fun, but I will say taking all these notes and stuff. Like I, I need to like sit down with a computer or something or uh, transcript or something of the things. So I can just copy and paste the parts I want to talk about. I'm not like scrawling them in in my notebook in person where I can't hardly read them later and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but yeah. I think it was good that we went through them in such detail, though, because it's like, you know, this only happens once every four years, and, and this this particular election is pretty unique even among other elections. So I feel like we need to have some kind of historical document about just what happened here. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I You know, nobody ever goes back and rewatches debates. I mean, 
I think the thing is, after an election, everybody forgets anything that ever happened in it, you know, mm-hmm. except for like one or two moments or something. Like the debates, you know, nobody goes back and rewatches the debates. I, I went back and rewatched a Bush uh, Al Gore debate. I think it was from no, no, no Bush Kerry debate from 2004. Mm-hmm. It was a few like about a year ago or something, and it was it was you know it was fun to watch because my God, it's been 12 years now. Mm-hmm. But I still remember how good that debate was, and how I was like sure that Kerry was going to win because he just like trounced Bush in the debate. But it didn't happen. But it was a good debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think like you know the the changes that they want to make, the changes the parties want to make, the uh, the problems with the electoral college, uh, you know how people performed in the debates. Uh, mm-hmm. All this stuff just gets forgotten the day after the election. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. Well, I think we should uh, plan on doing some kind of wrap-up once all this is, is over. I'm assuming there will be some more surprises in store <laughs> for between now and Election Day, but uh, <laughs> it should be pretty interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens as, we, as it gets close. And I think, yeah. And probably, like, you know, probably pretty soon after the election, after November 9th or something, I don't know, probably pretty soon after that, mm-hmm. there's going to be some things to talk about for sure. Yeah. We'll see if the, see if the Trumpkins uh, accept to defeat gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, this is Rob Burgess, and I'm broadcasting from Radio Free Indiana, the last bastion of liberal thought <laughs> in, a, in a farming country filled with rampaging farmers. They, they, they already had the pitchforks ready. Pitchforks. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's agrarian, so they already had the equipment ready. Yeah. yeah, they. There's blood on the pitchforks, and bodies are hidden in the hay bales. <laughs> Yeah, it could get pretty hairy. Mike Pence has returned to his homeland and is wearing a a necklace made of human ears. (laughs) It's all his vanquished enemies. Yeah, it's uh, uh, that may be. Where, I think that's where we're headed. To. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, on that yeah. note, um, I look forward to talking to you in the post-apocalyptic hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Evan Bay won his election, but he was promptly executed personally by Mike Pence. <laughs> Dark days in the future, Bob. I know, this is getting hairy. Man, we're gonna we're gonna wish for the days when we when we worried about you know voter suppression. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be the salad days. Yeah, yeah. Now, now voter suppression is voter suppression fire. <laughs> <laughs> Cover me. He's trying to catch his ballot. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> this is my dream. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I'll uh, I'll talk to you later, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
Yep. Well, uh, have a nice week, Bob, and we'll uh, yeah we'll talk to you again and your your listeners again next time. Yeah, for sure. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> bye. Yeah. Bye.